guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. What up, Apex? How you guys doing? So, question for you. Has anyone started listening to Christmas music yet? Wow. That is a lot more than I thought. So who is like, at this point, it is illegal to listen to Christmas music? Who's like, I'm just not listening to it because I listen to real music? Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So I don't even know why it happened so early this year. My wife and I just got crazy excited. Oh yeah, we watched a Christmas movie with her parents and it just unleashed the Christmas spirit early. So I was just curious. We are way ahead on our decorating Our fall decorations are already gone, but we are still in our Thanksgiving series here at Apex. Does anybody remember the title of the series? Wow. Thanks, Malachi. Everybody, all at once, what's the title of the series? Cheese. Who said cheese? It's right there. Like... Like it's, it, Malachi helped you out. It it's, it's on the, it was my wife. Of course it was, yeah. So we're in the middle of our series called Grateful. Uh, I've got these, these different cheese grating thumbnails that I pulled from Google Images because you, che- you grate the cheese and it's great. Don't cut the cheese, just grate it and it'll be great. Um, sorry, sorry. I just, I apologize for what just came out of my mouth. Uh, that is, that was a really cheesy joke, wasn't it, Veronica? Yeah. She said, you should have seen how crinkled her face got at the cringe when she went, that's so cheesy. Yeah. So yeah, we're in our series called Grateful and puns aside, what are we talking about? What is the idea of this series? Somebody raise your hand for this one. Let's get a little real. What, what are we talking about in this series? Oh, you haven't even been here. Why am I asking you? You're getting introduced to the series for the first time. We don't do that here. Um, so, anybody actually want to give me a straight answer? What have we been talking about? Malachi, you've got my notes in front of you back there. Isaac. Gratefulness. Yes, yes. Give it, give it to me in a sentence, though. Somebody, somebody get us rolling here. Give me a sentence. A, 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 what are they called? When you have a, an open-ended question on your, your test. I want, I want more than one word. Malachi, what are we talking about? Do not read my note sheet. Go ahead. Enjoying what? Enjoying what? This series, during this series called Grateful, we have been looking at the things that stand in the way of us being thankful for the life that God has given us and the blessings that God has given us. What did we talk about being in the way last week? All right, it's time to stop calling out the jokes now. We're going to get into the actual message. So what did we talk about last week sometimes stands in the way of us being able to be grateful for the blessings that God has given us, living in the blessings that God has given us. It's one big emotion that we feel a lot. And it causes us to sometimes sarcastically say, thanks, fam. Not pride. Not pride. What was it? Nobody remembers. Well, we'll start with giving you, you've got my notes. I'm not calling on you. Put your hand down. 
We're going to start by going over the passage, the, the verses that have been our, our core of this series, and maybe it'll come back to you. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Does anybody want to read verse 6 for me? Wow. You guys don't do this? No. Wow. Okay. This is new for you. But I like when you guys read it because I know that you're actually engaging in the scripture. So it's on the screen. You guys can't read it? Okay, I'll work on it for next week. I'll read it for you this week. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the core. This is kind of the heart of how God wants us to engage with him in our relationship with him. He wants us to be full of joy to the point of rejoicing. We talked about how that word actually means jump up and spin around in some translations because you're just so full of joy at the blessings that God has given you. He wants us to be thankful, but we talked about last week, we introduced the theme that that is not always easy. We're not always in the mindset of whoopee, let's go. It, it wouldn't make any sense to your parents. They'd probably take you to a doctor and get your head checked out. If that was your demeanor 24-7 because you're teenagers and it doesn't check out. If every single day of your life you're like, woo, everything is butterflies and shiny and happy and I'm just celebrating because life is so good. That is not a natural human nature kind of thing, especially for teenagers, am I right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like if I told you you have to live this way, you'd be like, that's not the Bible for me because that's got nothing to do with my real life because no matter how hard I try, can you actually be that way 24-7? Anybody in the room? No, no. And so we're talking about how we can have a spirit of gratefulness in the midst of our down moments, in the things that are difficult. Last week, the, the theme was thanks fam, this sarcastic statement that used to be a thing that probably wasn't even a thing when you guys were old enough to know what a thing was, um, where you wouldn't say it as a genuine gratitude, thank you. You'd say thanks fam because you're frustrated with the situation, you're saying it sarcastically. The, what was... The, in the way of our gratitude last week that we talked about. I just said it in that sentence there. What emotion? Frustration, very good. We forget to honor God in the midst of our frustration. It can get in the way of our ability to show love to God and others. That's what we talked about last week. So before we get into our theme for this week, I wanna ask you guys a question. And I've got my bags of chips here because we're cheesy because we're grateful. So if you answer right, then um, I'll throw chips at you. And if you're by the person that answered right, duck, because we've been through this last week. I have terrible aim with these bag of chips. So I want you guys to give me some examples of things that cause crippling, because you guys use that word, crippling fear, stress, and anxiety. And I'm not using it generally when you're talking about, oh no, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get to the bathroom before next period and I have crippling anxiety over it. That's, that's like a misuse of the term. But crippling as in you literally cannot proceed forward because you're so worried about this thing. What are some things in your lives that cause fear, stress, and anxiety to the point where you cannot proceed? Isaac. A sick family member. A sick family member, excellent. So that's a physical issue. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a physical issue that can cause us to be stuck and not be able to proceed because of fear or anxiety. 
when your dad is away. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a parent in the military who cannot be home with you because they're away or for any other occupation, we'll do left, then right. My left. Stage fright. Yeah. When you're, when you're moving forward in a talent that God has given you, and it's time, that's two in a row where it's gone right for her dome. I'm so sorry. And you just can't do it because you freeze up. Failure. Absolutely. Wow. Sorry, sorry to the light. This is bad. This is real bad. The aim is just not immaculate. But guys, these are great, great examples. Thank you. These are great examples of things that cause us to be stuck. Me personally, my example would be self-doubt. When I'm thinking about whether or not I'm capable of doing something and anything in my life comes up contrary to my ability to do that thing, it messes me up. Or at least it did and does when I'm not functioning well in Jesus. An example being, in high school, I made a pretty terrible mistake early in high school. Through the rest of my high school career, because it became so public, because I was the pastor's son, and for me to do something like that as the pastor's son was just like, oh my gosh, how could he do something like that? And the whole, it felt like, and it wasn't true actually, but to me it felt like the whole school knew, and I felt like I could not witness to people anymore. That's the crippling anxiety that I had because of my self-doubt. Well, I made a mistake and these people know about it, so I don't have any more credibility, so I can't speak truth to them anymore. But that's not true. We serve a God who covers our mistakes, who redeems us from our mistakes and grows us into somebody new out of our mistakes. But I couldn't see that past the crippling anxiety. I knew I had a call in my life to share God with others. And then I would look out around me and wonder what they knew about me. And I would say, I just can't. You guys ever get to a moment in your lives where you go, I just can't. Because you're so overwhelmed by the things that you're feeling, by the things that you're going through. And you just go, I just can't. Anybody, just raise your hand if you've ever felt that before. And it can be a big, massive thing. It can be a small thing. But there are emotions that build up to the point where you're like, I I ought to do this, but I just can't. I ought to be able to at least explain to my parents what I'm going through, and they're asking me what's wrong, and you just go, you know, I just can't. I just, just leave me alone. I just can't right now. You guys know, you know what I mean? And there's a couple parents in the room like, you ever hit that moment with your kid where they're like, I just can't. I just can't. If you haven't yet, look out, because it's coming. And it's going to be okay. That's what this message is about. This message is titled, I Just Can't. Stress, fear, and anxiety are emotions that destroy our ability to be thankful for the blessings around us and our ability to enjoy and live in the life that God has called us to, to the point where we're saying, I just can't. We need to stop anxiety from being in the way of our gratefulness in order to move forward with our lives. According to the next part, so last week we did the first two verses of Philippians chapter four, um, verses four through nine, I believe we're doing total. Last week we did four and five. This week we're going to be looking at verses six and seven, Philippians six and seven. Verse six starts out, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody, anybody an anxious person in the room, anybody a worrier, anybody get stressed out over some things? Anybody know the worst thing that you can do for somebody who's anxious? Anybody know? My wife tells me all the time. 
What is, what is the worst thing you can do when somebody is worrying to the point where they're stuck? What's the worst thing that you can tell them to do when you're trying to help them? What do you not do? This is psychology 101, if any of you are moving it. Babe, go ahead, babe. What's the answer? Yeah, the worst thing you can do when somebody is stressed and stuck or scared and stuck or anxious and stuck is to say, just stop being stressed or just stop being scared or just stop being anxious. The worst thing you can do to somebody who is, is stuck in that I just can't moment is say, just stop. <laughs> like, obviously they would like to stop and you telling them to stop just makes it so much worse because that's added pressure on top of whatever they're already stressed about. They would stop if they could. They would stop if they could. The problem is they can't. And you telling them to stop just gets them stuck. But God doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, stop being anxious. That's not the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who has solutions because he knows our lives. Amen? So that's a good thing, right? Yeah. So he goes on. But before we read that part, you guys need to understand whether you're the one who's struggling with fears, anxieties, or you're trying to help somebody else. When people fixate on an emotion, telling them to stop just makes it worse. Telling yourself to stop just makes it worse. We'll get into that a little bit. But God doesn't just tell us to stop. He goes on to say, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Anybody know what transcends means? It means it goes beyond it. it. It means he's saying, which transcends all understanding. So what he's saying here is, we can't possibly understand the peace that comes with this, is what transcends means. It's so much peace in such a stressful situation that it doesn't make logical sense to us. And the peace of God, which doesn't even make sense because of how much peace it is, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You don't stop thinking about something by trying hard to stop thinking about it. How do you stop thinking about something? Anybody know? It's a very simple mental trick that you guys need to learn to get control of your minds. And some of you have probably already practiced this without even knowing it. Nobody? Distraction. Distraction. Absolutely. In order to stop thinking about something, you have to start thinking about something else. You can't just sit there and tell yourself to stop thinking about something because telling yourself to stop thinking about something, like let's say we're talking about a purple rhinoceros. If I tell myself to stop thinking about a purple rhinoceros, you know what's going to pop into my head? A purple rhinoceros. Words are cues to images in our memory. We talked a lot about the human memory and how astounding it is a little bit um, two weeks ago. If you are speaking to yourself about a subject, even though you're saying don't in front of it, that subject is still in your head. You're thinking about not thinking about it, which is still thinking about it, yeah. right? Has anybody ever gotten stuck in a loop like that? The solution is you have to think about something else. How do you stop thinking about something? You start thinking about something else. I've got a video for you. The baboons always have a secret supply of water and they're not going to tell anybody where it is. And when a Mahalakhari ventures into the deep Kalahari on a hunting trip... The first trip, guy knew how to find water, water, but this guy doesn't watch what he does he to find water. He doesn't make liquid from a root. But he has his own way of finding out where the water is. First, he laboriously drills a hole in a giant ant heap. 
when he is sure a baboon is watching him because he knows Keep baboons an eye on the are baboon. incurably The baboon is you, okay? Next, he puts you are some the wild melon seeds into the hole and works them in so that they drop into a hollow. Then he saunters off, knowing the baboon is burning with curiosity. You're all curious baboons, okay? The baboon doesn't trust that human being at all, so he plays it cool. But he's dying to know what gives in that confounded hole. All right, so you're starting to fixate. Starting to think about that hole. Finally, Mr. Inquisitive can't take it any longer. All right, you're going he's in. He's got to know what's in there. He needs to know. He's smelling it he now. He reaches in, grabs a fistful, and now his hand's too big to come out. That's you. If he had the sense to drop the seed, he could free his hand. Now he lets go when it's too late. All right, we can cut it there. Okay. So, you're the baboon. The point we're moving into is don't be a dumb monkey, all right? I'm not calling you dumb monkeys, but when we fixate on things, sometimes we become dumb monkeys. So what was happening there is that guy needed water. He didn't know how to find the root like the other guy, but he knows that the monkeys in the area know where the water is. So he's going to trap the monkey because he knows that the monkey will fixate, he'll just focus and just think about one thing and he will not change his mind once he's thinking about it and that thing is food. So when the monkey figures out that there's food in that hole, he can reach his hand in and he can reach his hand out as long as his hand is open, but when he reaches in and he grabs that food and his fist is closed, his fist will not fit through the hole anymore. So what would any rational person do at that moment? The monkey's got his fist closed because he's got the food and he doesn't want to let it go, but he can't get his hand out unless he lets go of the food. What would you do? Let go, right? Right? The monkey is trapped because he is fixating. He cannot stop thinking about something. And so he cannot move on with his life. And the whole course of his life, he goes from free monkey, happy and curious about the world, to now he is monkey slave pet guy who's going to show human man water for the rest of his life. He no longer has his freedom. He no longer can do what he wants because he was trapped thinking about one thing and unable to let go, unable to stop. Don't be a dumb monkey, okay? You need to learn to let go of whatever fear, doubt, or anxiety you're fixated on, or you'll become a prisoner to it. And the craziest part is, you're your own jailer. All you have to do is let go, and you can pull your hand out and walk away. The monkey, it, it was kind of funny, but Think of it from the monkey perspective. That I, I have a dog, so it's hard for me to see animals reacting like that. Some of you were chuckling, but for me, I, I can identify animal panic noises because I have a dog who is very anxious. And that's kind of hard for me to watch because he was freaking out. He knew that his life was in danger. He didn't know this strange man coming up to him. He knew that he was in imminent danger. And the simple solution is just open your hand, let go of what you're fixating on, and get away but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He was freaking out, screaming for his life, 
And the only thing keeping him in that danger was his own fixation. That's where we trap ourselves sometimes. When we, when we fixate on something and we're either, number one, we're, we're, we're trapped thinking about it, or number two, we're trapped telling ourselves to stop thinking about it. And we're screaming, I just need to let go, I just need to let go. But all we're doing then is making the problem bigger and bigger. We're not actually letting go because telling yourself to stop thinking about something is actually just thinking about it. In other words, you need to stop holding on to your fears and anxieties. And God tells us exactly how to do that in our passage. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You need to be able to have the ability to identify, I'm stuck in this hole. I can't pull my fist out because I'm clenching onto something. I'm fixating on something. I need to find something that is more valuable to me than what I'm holding on to so that I can let go of what I'm holding on to and grab onto something else, something that will give me life instead of destroying my life, something that is true or noble or right. I'm gonna tell you guys something that's kind of goofy, but kind of real all at the same time. Anybody remember Call of Duty Zombies? Okay. So there's nothing inherently evil about zombie video games, all right? I'm acknowledging that now. That's not what I'm saying, but... There is such a thing as a scruple. Some things mess some people up that don't mess other people up. And for 12-year-old me, that was zombies. Most of the kids my age were like, it's called duty zombies and I know it's not real and I'm gonna be able to go to bed without nightmares. Not me, absolutely not. I could not sleep at all, but I didn't wanna be weird and I didn't wanna be left out because all my friends were playing this game so I'd play with them and then I wouldn't sleep and then I'd get sick and I'd play with them and I wouldn't sleep and I'd get sicker. And it came to a point when I was so fixated in my mind about zombies coming to eat me in the middle of the night that I came out of my room with the bow staff. I was like 12, 13 at this point. So I had this big bow staff, right? Because everybody does karate at some point um, in their lives. Okay, maybe not everybody. I did. Um, And I had a bow staff. And it was something that made me feel slightly more secure. And I could not sleep. I could not, I could not change my perspective. I could not think about anything except the fact that if I close my eyes, I won't know if something is coming for me. And so I took my bow staff out and I went and our house is set up that all of our bedrooms were up this staircase and my bedroom was the first. So I know like if zombies are coming, then I'm done. So I just have to stand there with my bow staff and be ready. And that's the only way I'm going to be safe because other than that, I'm going to get eaten alive in the middle of the night and it's going to be horrible. That was my headspace because I was so fixated on this fear. And my mom comes out of her room and nearly punches my lights out because she sees this dark figure because we had this little light outlet light in our, in our hallway that's like under lighting me and I've got this stick and I'm at this point, I've had my growth spurt so I'm taller than my mom um, and there's just this looming figure backlit in the hallway and she's coming out of her, her room to go to the bathroom at like who knows what a.m. and she freaks the heck out and she's like, she finally calms down and she doesn't beat me up and I don't hit her with my stick even though it was terrifying because she was screaming and I was screaming and I was so keyed up about zombies. And we finally calm down and she takes me downstairs and she's talking to me because everybody's waking up at this point. And they're like, it's fine, go to bed, it's just Brian being dumb. Um, and she takes me downstairs and she says, Brian, you're gonna memorize this Bible verse. And it was Philippians 4.8. You wanna pop back to that slide for a second. And she told me, Brian, 
you're fixating on a fear. You're letting it rule you. You're letting it take over your life. You've been sick for a week. We told you you can't play this game anymore. But cutting that off isn't enough because it's already in your head. You need to teach yourself to take control of your thoughts. Let go of one thought and think about something else. And so for a season, what I had to think about instead of zombies was Philippians 4.8. And I'd just memorize it and I'd read it and I'd quote it. And something amazing started happening where I learned you have the ability to, if you make yourself by reading or by watching something or by listening to something, you can change the focus of your mind. You just have to be willing to take the first step of letting that be an option. You can't make yourself stop fixating on something, but first it starts with a distraction. Find something that's better than what you're fixated on. Obviously the Bible is better than fixating on my fear of zombies, yeah? And it turned into a lifelong devotional life that whenever I'm down, whenever I'm frustrated, you know what my wife says to me now? She says, did you do your devotional today? Did you read your Bible today? Because I can tell that you're fixating on fears. I can tell that you're fixating on doubts. You are not yourself. You need to let go of what you're fixating on and go read your Bible. And by the time I'm done reading God's word, the perspective where I'm right here clutching onto this thing and I'm stuck in this hole and I can't get my arm out, when I start reading God's word and I back up into a godly perspective of my life, I go, that thing isn't so big. That thing isn't so necessary for me to fixate on. I don't need to hold on to that thing. I forgot there is a God that loves me that's got my back and this is not that big of a thing. I need to let go. There's freedom in letting go of what you're fixating on. When you let go, you can grab onto something better, something true, noble, right, or pure. To finish up, real quick, I'm gonna give you two basic examples for you guys to, to prime your conversation when we go into small groups. Two examples of things that are sources of anxiety in our life. Because it's not always negative. It's not always zombies or something evil or something anxious anxious um, based out of its direct ability to hurt us. Did you guys know that you can fixate on something positive to the point where you're fixating so strong that it becomes a negative? So there's two sources. There are negative and positive sources of anxiety. Let me, let me talk you guys through this. First, the 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 negative examples. We kind of hit on these a little bit already, but there are social and there are natural. Give me some examples of some social negative sources of anxiety. They can be broad or specific. We talked about them a little bit at the beginning of the sermon. Anybody? Isaac. Talking to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Going out and having a social, an actual conversation that, that may be linked to the fear of failure, that may be linked to the fear of, um, I feel like a lot of times it is in some way linked to the fear of failure because what if you don't say the right thing or what if they reject you or what if, what if, what if all of these scenarios ending in failure? What's another social anxiety that is a negative? Trying to fit in. Trying to fit in, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I kept playing Call of Duty Zombies even though 12-year-old me, me could not handle it because I wanted to fit in and it messed my brain up. And I had nightmares for, for weeks. I already told you the story. We don't need to get into it. Malachi. You forgot? You were trying to fit in? Oh, that was yours. Oh, she stole yours. I got you. Okay, so good. What are some natural sources of negative anxiety? 
There was a big one that totally changed the infrastructure of our world for two years. COVID, yeah, sickness and disease. The fact that you can die in general is a natural stressor to us as humans, right? That natural stress is a good thing. It keeps you alive. Your fear of, hey, if I run in front of a fastly moving object, it's really gonna sock me and it's gonna throw me for a loop. That's natural fear. That's a good thing. But anxiety held on to and fixated on, becomes too big. Our natural fears that keep us alive become fixations that keep us from living. We need to be careful of those things. So those are, those are some, some negative examples of sources of anxiety in our life that we cannot allow to grow beyond. Yes, it is natural to understand that this is dangerous for my life, but it is not okay for me to allow it to grow beyond the bounds of, okay, I know that's bad. I need to keep away from it and move on with my life to, I cannot move. I cannot do anything because that's over there. And I've got this whole room that I could be living my life in, but because that's sitting in that corner, I can't move. I can't breathe. I can't think that's fixation. That's not healthy. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made, of per- made perfect in love. What this verse is telling us in context of what we're talking about is, so these social anxieties, the fear of failure, the fear of what if I do something wrong? Let's talk for a minute about the healthy negative anxiety of I don't want to fail God. That's real, right? You want to serve God well. But God doesn't want you to live in fear of failing him. God sent his son so he could die because he knew you were going to mess up. So the fact that the fear of messing up could stop you from living breaks God's heart because he loves you and true love casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. You guys see what I'm saying? And talking about the natural stuff, stressing and worrying about the fact that God created a world that can literally kill us Do you guys know he didn't? You guys know we caused that to happen? That's our fault? That's not his heart for us. He didn't create a world to stress you out. He sent his son to die so that when someday this world kills you, you get to keep living in eternity with him. Again, another proof that God's heart for us is not to live in fear and anxiety, afraid of him, afraid of his creation. He sent his son to die for us so that we could experience his love and stop living in fear. Stop being ruled by fear. The whole Bible shows that the character of God is the opposite of a life living in fear. He doesn't want that for us. He sent his son to die so that we could live and not be afraid. In the Old Testament, God gave his people, in my opinion, too many chances to do the right thing. He didn't come down on them so many times. It was just a cycle of, I'm going to mess up and then I'm going to say, oops, God, I'm sorry. And he forgave them. Every time. In the New Testament, God sent Jesus to die because he already knows that we're going to do the wrong things. And he doesn't want us to live in the anxiety of we're sinful people who've messed up. He wants us to be reborn and made new so we don't have to be gripping on to that anxiety, stuck in that hole. Fear and self-doubt ruin your mindset, your day, your attitude, your attitude of gratefulness. Gratefulness for a life that God has given you to live in and enjoy. The second type of anxiety that can hold you prisoner is positive anxiety. Again, positive anxiety taken too far. 
There are things that we should be anxious over, and the Bible sends us a, a clear message over and over again. It says, do everything you can to the best of the abilities that God has given you. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. He sets a very high standard for the quality of things we do, that we should be anxious about doing things well. We should not be content to just be a couch potato. We should not be content to just say, thanks God for the ticket to heaven, now I'm gonna go mess up my life and at the end of it, I'll see you in heaven. He sets a standard for us and that's a positive, have you guys ever heard of positive peer pressure? The people around you in your life who encourage you to do good things, that's a positive form of anxiety. How much more should we be anxious to live the lifestyle that God has called us to? That's a positive form of anxiety that can be taken in a very negative way if we let it grow out of proportion. Anybody, can any of you think of other forms of positive anxieties? Things that we should be worried about to a healthy degree that can be taken too far. Fear of heights, yeah. Fear of heights, it's, it's good to be afraid of things that can hurt you. But if it's to the degree where you see like a four foot drop over five feet away from you and you can't walk down the sidewalk anymore, that, that fear has taken over you. A, a positive fear that has become too much. Anybody else have another example? Fear of death. Fear of death. And I'm, I may be taking this in the wrong direction here because these are, these, are, these are those negative things we were talking about. But what are some good things that you should strive for almost to the degree where you're anxious to strive for them. What are some good things? Getting good grades. grades. That is literally one of the examples that I was gonna give you guys written here somewhere if none of you said it. That is a good thing that you should be worried about, but some people take it too far, right? Some people are nervous to even go home and talk to their parents because they got a B on a test, even though their average is still an A. That was my little sister, and she had to repent of that because she was letting that rule her instead of letting God be Lord of her life and, and living in the freedom that he gives. What's another one? Malachi. Being too helpful. You're, you're called to serve, serve other people and serve God. But if you're living your life in anxiety of, did I help enough? To the point where you're serving the, the, the idol of being a helper and being known as a helper and making sure that you helped enough, instead of serving God and living in the freedom that he gives you, that can be a crippling anxiety. Absolutely. I know people who their biggest fear in life is that they won't serve God correctly. And they admit that that can become an idol to them. That can become a distraction to them. That instead of serving God well in the freedom and, and, and grateful for the, the blessings that they've given him, they're, they're, they're so stressed out about making sure that they're serving God right that they keep messing up because they can't do it. Because they're so nervous about it that, that it, it just cripples them to the point where, well, I don't know if this is right or this is right, so I'm just not gonna do anything. And then they're not serving God at all. And it's something that they have to deal with themselves with and say, I'm not afraid that I'm gonna ruin my life by not serving God right, I get to serve God. And when I do mess it up, he covers me. You guys starting to understand the idea that whether it's a negative anxiety or a positive anxiety, too much is still crippling. And we need to let go of it and trust God instead. So to close up, we gotta, we gotta get moving here. 
the parable of the three servants um, is an example where God lays, lays a standard out and he says, you did a bad job. Um, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself as one approved, a standard of God saying, hey, it's okay to have a little bit of, of concern that you're doing well. The life of Joseph, God repeatedly blessing him for doing his best in terrible situations. God wants you. The takeaway is God wants us to be concerned about doing our best, but remember what Proverbs 19.21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I'm gonna plan and plan and plan to make sure that you guys have a great experience at Apex, but if somebody walks in and they're beat up and they're broken down and my plan doesn't take care of that, you better believe that my plan is gonna change because God's plan is to take care of them. You can take care of everything that you know how to, but at the end of the day, when you can no longer control what's going on, you need to trust God with it. God wants us to be concerned about doing our best, but then leave the rest to him. When you've done all you can, then continue to worry about things you can't control. You're trusting yourself instead of God. In, to quote P90X, if you guys remember that fad, do your best, forget the rest. I loved that program so much. That was like my high school workout experience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up, so we're going to skip those last two chunks of scripture because I think you guys are starting to get it, and I want you guys to be able to have your time to conversate together in our small groups. But you guys, let go of worrying about things you know will be fine because God has you in his hands. And grab on to the things that he's given you that you can develop, that you can, can grow in, that you can see God move in Here's a really easy way to do it. Those, those pure, noble, right, true things that God wants you to focus on instead. Think about the thing that messes you up most. The thing that makes you the most nervous to the point where you're just like, I just can't. I can't do anything past this point because I'm worried about this thing. Think about that in your head right now. Give me a thumbs up when you got it. We're mostly getting there. All right, so you're thinking about the thing. Now think about something that God has given you a unique talent, unique talent or gift in. Give me a thumbs up when you thought of that one. So every time you think of that thing that messes you up to the point where you say, I just can't, do this. You know, God has given me this passion for art or this ability in music or this, this um, drive in sports or grades or whatever talents, abilities God has given you. Every time you start to stress about that thing that messes you up, go work on that thing that you enjoy doing, that God has given you talents in. Just go work on it. Invest your time in something that'll distract you from your worries and prove to yourself at the same time that God has made you with a plan and a purpose for your life. When I'm really stressed, one of the things that I love to do is just go get on a drum set. Just go drum because I love it and I, I remember that it's, it's, it's a talent that God has given me and it's fun and by the time I'm done, the physical exertion combined with the, the proving of thank you God for giving me this talent totally flips my mindset around or I'll go for a run or I'll go do a workout. Whatever those things are for you, you guys are gonna talk about those things in your small groups. But to close, I wanna give you guys this, this statement. 
Steph and I have been in very few, but some, almost frightening to death situations. Whether it be driving in traffic where somebody's gonna hit us with their car, or maybe driving through a storm, or um, a point in life where financially we're like, how are we gonna make things work? We formulated this, this statement right here. We ask each other, what's your calling? What has God called you to do? I'm a pastor. I'm called to preach, teach, and serve. She's a teacher. Then we ask ourselves, are you done doing that yet? Did you finish that calling? Do you feel like God's done using you yet? No, definitely not. Still got stuff to do. Still got work to go and get done. Then guess what? You're going to be fine because God's not going to let anything happen to you while he's laid that calling on your heart. So you need to stop worrying about what you can't control. Stop worrying about the things that you're scared of that you have no ability to, to take care of and say, you know what, God, you're not done with me, so I don't know how, but this is going to be fine. Think about that. I'm going to pray, send you guys to talk about this in your small groups. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent your son to die for us so that we could be delivered from fear. The things that, that grab onto our hearts and, and won't let go and fill up our minds to the point where we can't think about the good things that you've given us, we can no longer be grateful for the lives and the callings and the plans that you've placed in us because we are so fixated on things of this world. God, I pray that you'd help us to start to have the perspective to be able to let go of the stupid thing that's in the hole that's got our arms stuck so that we can turn around and see all of the amazing things that you've given us that we can grab onto instead. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to let go of the things of this world that would drag us down so that we can grab onto the things that are of you instead. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.